This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo, here with John Beeler. We have got a great program for you today. We're all about the world of apps and mobile technology. Today's program, we'll uh, be talking a little bit more about Rogers and the outage that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago basically taking the entire communication grid down across the country. What is Rogers offering up? What are their uh, flanker brands offering up, like Fido and Chatter? Is it enough? Well, we'll go down that road and give you our thoughts. Uh, We'll also be talking about AI-generated art. There's a really cool bot that you can basically use by just typing in some keywords, and it'll generate some mind-blowing paintings, pictures. I don't know what you call them. Imagery. Imagery. It's like a fever dream, but it's super fascinating how, I would say, good it is. It's very addicting. Yeah. Uh, And we'll be talking about uh, voice assistance as well with uh, Google and Alexa and kind of some of the latest uh, updates there. Uh, This was kind of interesting, John. Wordle, very popular web game bought by the New York Times, is becoming a board game. It's because everything does eventually. (laughs) Trying to monetize everything about it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Do you still play it? No. I fell off the wagon. I still play it. Every day? As much as I can. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't do it as much when I was on vacation, but... I, I, for, I forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. But now I can get the word Wordle board game edition. Any word on this comes out? Uh, it's pre-order today and... Or you can play. Oh, it'll be in stores in October. Wordle, the party game. Or you can play it for free on the web. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, Steven Spielberg, we know him. Jaws, E.T., many, many other movies. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, he directed a three-minute-long music video recently, and it was on an iPhone. Yeah, this is with uh, Marcus Mumford of Mumford, Mumford and Sons. Oh, yeah. I love, I love their music. Yeah. So, I mean, iPhones, the cameras on them are amazing now. They are. Yeah. It's interesting, the, the photo that accompanies the article yeah. that, that we're referring to is has Spielberg sitting on what looks like a, just like an office desk chair. With wheels. With wheels, yeah. and someone pulling him and pushing him around. I guess that's the dolly. It's very inexpensive dolly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Steven Spielberg was inexpensive. No. 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 He must have done it because he likes Mr. Mumford. Yeah. But how interesting, like Steven Spielberg, obviously top of his craft in filmmaking. Yeah. Oh. Tries an iPhone. Well, his his wife, actress Kate Capshaw, was the dolly grip. She's the one pushing the, the desk, desk chair around. And she's also the art director and the producer of the music video. I haven't checked it out yet. I don't know if it's out yet, but I'm going to look forward to uh, seeing how that uh, all turns out. Uh, AirPods. I think I've got a couple pairs of those. Um, sometimes the case breaks. There's actually a uh, an unofficial repair kit, kind of a, a DIY kit. Yeah, this is really interesting. Uh, this guy named Ken uh, Pilonel. He basically he's the guy that um, put a USB C connector in an iPhone. Remember that a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's created an open source repair kit for first and second generation I, AirPods. And what this allows you to do is a couple things. One is to uh, 
sort of rejuvenate some of these these AirPods because the first and second gen, it's getting a little long in the tooth. Yes. So you can, uh, he basically walks you through the process of opening up the case, changing out the battery, so giving yeah. giving it a new battery, but also um, uh, converting the lightning connector to a USB USB-C connector on your AirPods. And he actually has made an open source uh, set of 3D printable files and even a circuit board to help facilitate this. And you can download all this stuff from his GitHub and, and do this. It's not for the faint of heart. You have to know what you're doing. You, yeah. But uh, I wouldn't recommend that to most people opening up your AirPod case. Well, if it's dead, why not? Well, I guess you got nothing to lose at that. Well, I mean, you can always go to Apple. They'll do it. Well, yeah. But they'll charge you for it. Yes. But I'm, I'm sure this repair kit's not free. It is. It's open source. Oh, okay. You but can just download it. Yeah, but how do you get the pieces? Well, you have to 3D print them. Okay, so then you have to have a 3D printer. Right. Seems a few hurdles in the way here. A little. Yeah. Anyway, so it's available. Yeah. It's available. Uh, another story we're following, uh, this was interesting. Uh, I think we all know in Canada here, finally, uh, the government uh, put a ban on Huawei equipment in the, the 5G networks. And so up here in Canada, uh, the telecoms, I know Tel- TELUS, for example, has put a lot of Huawei equipment in. They have to rip it all out now. Yeah. In the U.S., same thing happened, right? They banned it down there. Uh, but it looks like the FCC down there is footing the bill to rip some of this stuff out. And now they're saying they need an additional $3 billion to help U.S. carriers replace Huawei and ZTE equipment. So they originally had $1.9 billion to do this. Yeah. So they basically have collectively asked for $5.6 billion to do this uh, rip and replace, as they call it. That Guess who gets to pay for that? Consumers. Yeah. yeah. And, and, well, and taxpayers in this case. Yeah. In the U.S. I, I don't know. It's just such a waste of money, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. and everyone we've talked to on the carrier side has said it was better and cheaper equipment. Yeah. And now they have to go with <clears throat> inferior equipment. And they get to pay twice for it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know what? I know this is a very um, hot topic, right? Yes. I don't know. Like, we end up paying for it. Yeah. In the end. Yeah, it's just one of those difficult things that you can't get around because, sure, we're getting rid of this infrastructure, but all the phones we're using are made in China. Everything we have is made in China. When you think about it, like look at all the circuit boards and everything and all the computers and the electronics we have, they're all manufactured in China. Yeah. So what, what are we going to do about that? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, are we just going to go down that paranoia route? And like, I don't think people fully understand how much of our world is made in China. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just so funny. They get locked in on one thing. Well, it just becomes very political. Yeah. And politicians probably shouldn't be involved in that stuff well that's what they do they're political right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they make some interesting uh decisions anyway um american taxpayers are obviously going to be footing the bill for billions of dollars in replacing a, a lot of that uh, equipment okay looks like we're going to have to uh, take a break there's a lot going on in today's program uh, we will be talking about AI generated art. You don't even have to be an artist. You just have to know how to type words in and the computer will generate some mind blowing 
images for you. It's it's really quite amazing technology, and we'll uh, be telling you all about that. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk about Rogers. Is a five-day credit good enough for the outage? What about all the small businesses that lost thousands of dollars in sales? I can't even imagine the economic impact. Some businesses lost millions. Exactly. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back after this. You are back with The App Show. July 8th, a date that will live in infamy. Infamy. Yeah, at least for Rogers customers. Yes, that was the the day of the Rogers outage. 17 plus hours, uh, many more hours for some folks. And it affected everything, not only Rogers customers, but many of the other core sor- services that we rely on. A lot of government communications were down. 911 was down. E-transfers were down. Interact was down. It was crazy time. You're not a, you're not a Rogers customer. Not anymore. No, no. No, I am. So, but you're you're with Telus, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, and you still could function. I could do everything except for use my Interact card. <laughs> yeah. I'm still at a loss to figure out like how how big of an economic loss was this for the country? Well, the big thing that is it's hard to wrap your head around is how many businesses were affected by the fact that they couldn't take debit. I think that would have been costly for a lot of it. Can you imagine a lot of restaurants and retail of, locations? A lot of people were turned away because they couldn't pay for stuff. Yeah. They couldn't go to a bank machine and take that money out. It, yeah, it but the fact that 911 didn't work either. Yeah. Emergency services line. I mean that that is that is not good. Um so Rogers has basically come out offering credits on on their customer bills. So so basically you get a 5-day credit which is probably meaningless to the people yeah. because that's barely a quarter of your bill. Yeah. Well, how? What? Do you, what would you do? What do you think? I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't as impacted as as you were. Uh, I know there's some people in the office that weren't even able to get online at all. Yeah. Because they rely on Roger services for stuff. It it messed me up that day because I had, I had a lot of errands I had to do, and I, I you know I had planned to take a bunch of calls in the car, but I was dead in the water. Yeah. Like I, I got into my car and started doing errands, suddenly realizing. There's no way I can get a hold of anybody. And they can't get a hold of you. No. I was just like off the grid. It's like back in the 80s. Well, I also wonder how many of those contacts were also off the grid. Many, many. Yeah. So five days, is that worth it? I don't know. I mean, we pay these companies to give us a reliable service. If they don't give it to us, then we should get compensated for that time that we've already paid for. Yeah. But what is that multiplier? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and just the convenience factor as well, right? Because it's not like you just, you can't get online or you can't take a phone call. You can't do almost anything. Yeah. So the challenge is, you know, not to get too techy, but uh, Roger's whole communication infrastructure is all IP or internet protocol. TELUS and Bell, I think are the same way as yeah. well. And what that means is that all the traffic, whether it's a phone call or internet or streaming it's all happening on that same network yeah they basically 
it's all one big funnel. Exactly. They don't have separate networks for all of those. And so when... Which is mind-boggling when you think about it. Well, I, I hear now Roger's looking at splitting up the network yeah. to be more reliable. I mean, the government's come in and told them, you know, we're doing an investigation and you need to be more reliable. What does that mean, John? Like, how would they even measure that? Other than another outage happening, like, they would... Well, you, most big companies have to have some kind of contingency plan for network outages. Yeah. I know when I used to work for an insurance company, we had, we forced all of our broker network to have two services that were different, not subsidiaries of each other or anything like that. Yeah. So if one failed, they could still do business. So they had to have like Telus and Rogers, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a huge cost. Yep. Because you're basically paying twice and you're not even using one of those services. Yeah. Let alone have, hoping that someone in the office knows how to switch those things over when it happens. It's interesting. So 911 was down as well. And uh, I've, I've been reading up on it. Apparently, the carriers all have um, agreements that if one network goes down, the other ones would pick up the slack. Like, so if you're on Rogers and it got, went down, like it did, you should still have been able to make 911 calls because the Rogers and or sorry, the TELUS and the Bell networks would have picked it up. Right. But that failed. Yeah. There is apparently another way to force that, and I didn't know this. Like, if you turned your phone off and pulled the SIM card out. Emergency calls only. Emergency calls only. And it w- then apparently it would have worked. Right. But it was trying to get onto a network that didn't wasn't there. Yeah. So whatever fail-safe they had in, yeah. in for Rogers 911, it just didn't kick in and didn't allow the other carriers to pick it up essentially like everything that could go wrong went wrong right (laughs) isn't this what they train for (laughs) i know so apparently it was one of the main gateway that lets the internet know that rogers is there right in this world and that because they were doing some sort of maintenance update that thing went down it's not just like one thing you know what i mean like it's a a whole series of routers and that um but because the internet didn't know that rogers was there that's why everything failed essentially um interact which does you know millions of transactions they're putting in a redundant network now they're going to go with another carrier as well in case things go wrong i would have thought like you would have thought like interact yeah would have like redundancy i think we learned a lot well we learned who doesn't have a redundancy (laughs) (laughs) and like i said most big companies are supposed to have at least a plan. Yeah. They may not have the, th- the infrastructure. And I get it. Things go wrong, right? Yeah. And, you know, with technology, it can cascade pretty quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. But again, I just question, like, it's so easy for the government to say you need to have more reliability. Like, what? That's like your mom yelling at you after you broke something. Yeah. Like, well, I will try not to break Don't break calls. anything ever again. What does that mean? <laughs> right? It's highly likely there's going to be more outages in the future. Well, and there was some in the past that just weren't as big as this. Yeah. So, I mean, this was crippling. Yeah. But I mean, it took down a whole country. Yeah. (laughs) Remember the weekend's concert got canceled (laughs) at the last minute because they couldn't pay for stuff inside. Yeah. That's a lot of concert goers that weren't very happy. Yeah. Like who compensates? Yeah. What if you flew into town for that? Well, there's some people that did. Yeah. 
There is. Remember, there was, I don't know if you heard that story about that dad and his son that showed up for the concert and it was canceled. Anyway, uh, The weekend found out about it, the artist, yeah. and uh, flying them down to Philadelphia to see his concert. Which is very cool on his part. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. Is Rogers going to pay for that? <laughs> I don't, I don't think should. so. But, you know, how will that affect the merger? I don't, you know what? I tell you right now, John, it won't affect it. No, but it's it's a bad check mark on that list. Yeah. So, but like you said, I mean these the these things do happen. Yes, and no, of course, no network is is bulletproof or impervious to this type of issue. Yeah, I mean to the listeners at home, like it's five days enough compensation. It's a five time multiplier, right? Yeah. For consumers, I maybe okay, but what I want to know is like how how are they going to compensate all the businesses that lost thousands? Of dollars that aren't even Rogers customers, no, because they were impacted downstream. Yeah, yeah, like Interact payments. Yeah, what about those those people? Because I, I saw some articles about some restaurant chains were out tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, of course. I mean, there were some restaurants basically just taking IOUs. Yeah, and do you know what? Most people came back and paid up. Well, most people are good. Yeah. Anyway. Hopefully this won't happen again. We're going to have to take a break here on the app show. We still got uh, a lot more to talk about. Fancy yourself an artist? Maybe just don't have the skills? Well, a computer can help you with that. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence helping make pictures. And it is fascinating. Back after this. You're back with the app show. Mike and John here. We got one of our contributors in the studio with us, Robin. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk art and AI-generated art. So what does that mean? I mean, I could make art. It's not going to be good. I can get like some paintbrushes and try to draw something. And we'd be proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We'll put it on our fridge. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, But there's something called Midjourney AI. And so this is a a bot. You go to a website. Yeah. It's a little convoluted. There is no app per se. You have to use something called Discord, which is basically a chat app. Okay. Yeah. And you use that to interact with the bot and you basically give it commands. So one of the commands is imagine, and then it gives you a little prompt and you can put whatever you want. You can put a song lyric, you can put a poem, you can put just a single word. How many words can you put in? Infinite. I don't Could know. Could I do like as long as fridge, pizza, car, rhinoceros? Yeah. 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 I think it's only limited by whatever discords maybe word limit is in chat. It's probably like a, couple hundred words or something yeah. like that. So you have to have the Discord app, which is a chat program. You need an account anyway. So yeah. Yeah. you can do it over the web yeah. or on your phone or on your computer. Okay. But you just need an account. So so once you do that, what happens, at least with the current iteration of the software, is that it will generate a little four-pane version of its interpretation of your phrase. And it, it's kind of fun to watch. So four different pictures. Four different mm-hmm. pictures based on your seed words that you're you're giving it, or seed phrase, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And it's kind of fun because it starts off like very blurry, and then it slowly updates itself, and maybe takes a minute total. Yeah, around that. Like, yeah. and you'll see like they always start kind of brown and blurred and beige, and then eventually like if you've put in a prompt including color, like you put in like red Volkswagen Beetle eventually you start seeing that red form and you start seeing the actual image come to life. But what's really interesting about it is, I mean, for one, this is a computer system interpreting your phrase, but you can get, you can give it sort of 
a sort of a nudge in a certain direction. So you said red Volkswagen Beetle mm-hmm. in the style of mm-hmm. Matisse or Picasso or yeah. something like that. And it'll and, try and to- it knows that? Oh, yeah. it knows it, yeah. Yeah. And you can get niche with it. Like I tried some um, graphic design or graphic artists that do comic books that like aren't very widely known and it just, it nailed the style. No. Because yeah. it has access to the internet and everyone's feeding this thing questions and phrases and and it's being taught all about art and style and Mm. like because it's not just one style like it's not just a painting sometimes it's very textured sometimes it's very uh airy yeah sometimes Sometimes it's photorealistic yeah like you could put in certain keywords like photorealistic but you can also put in um like render or like 8k things like that and it'll spit out something that looks way more realistic than if you were to put like painting or even if you just leave it as blank and so what do you do with this after these <laughs> like so, you sent one of me where i think you used you know the keywords mike agarbo and pizza eating, yeah eating pizza eating pizza yeah it was yeah. kind of really surreal <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so that was a, a wild interpretation but basically once you have your four pieces uh, generated you have also nine numbers or, or nine buttons underneath uh, each button sort of coincides with a certain image. So each one is like U1, U2, U3, U4, and V1, V2, V3, V4, and then a refresh. All the U buttons upscale it so that you can have a high-definition version of that one picture. Which is spectacular in some cases, because yeah. you, you get a fairly small thumbnail version of this, but if you hit the upscale button, you see details in like brush strokes and, and yeah. like just little things like that. I did one in the style of Emily Carr. Ooh. And it was beautiful. And yeah. it looked like something Emily Carr would have painted. Yeah, one that I sent in my family app was um, a watercolor picture of the Irish uh, landscape on a windy day. And the picture that it spat out was like, I would told my family that I did it and they, they believed me until I was like, okay, like, no. Was it, it like a photograph? Uh, no, it was like a watercolor painting. Oh, okay. Yeah, and but it looked flawless. So obviously it's like some pretty amazing stuff that this thing can spit out. Who owns it? Uh, at the moment, it's the company Midjourney. So, but the image it spits out, who owns it? Oh, so that? who owns it? Um, recently, they actually switched the owner's rights to the creator. Oh, but yeah. you grant an unlimited license to Midjourney to use it. Yeah. So, okay. So if you want to make money from it, you can. Yeah, originally they had it sort of very constrained. You weren't allowed to profit off it. You weren't allowed to use it for like NFTs. Yeah, or if you did, it'd have to be over a certain amount and a cut of that had to go towards Midjourney. What if I wanted to use it for my business, like pictures on my website? Uh, in that case, you well, actually, if, if you... I think it's if you make over a certain amount of million per year, yeah. then you have to upgrade to the corporate license, which is like $300 a month. Right now, I'm assuming you, you did. I just have the basic. Yeah, I have the basic as well. And it's 10 bucks US a month. Yeah. So you're paying 10 bucks a month to get a computer to make art for you. Yeah. And it's and pretty it, fun. It is worth it. Is yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And awesome. how long does it take? A minute. Yeah, it takes a minute per generation. And so say, say I said like, pizza mm-hmm. elephant uh-huh and it did its thing and what if i went back like the next day and put those same words in it would that be the same image you will get something that might look vaguely similar but it will never be the exact same image we cut you off a little bit because we were you were talking about the the, oh, buttons, the buttons below so one is upscale but the mm-hmm. other one is variation yeah so you have these four little thumbnails 
if you're like, oh, I really like that. Let's see where it can go. It'll do four more variations on that one particular that one picture. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, it's through a process called diffusion. And there's a few other companies doing this at the moment. There's um, a company called uh, OpenAI, and their platform is Dolly, and they've Dolly 2 now. And then Google also have their Imagine uh, AI, which is totally closed. That They haven't opened that up to anyone. But essentially, this comes from um, people who've trained AI to make photo or it's like text descriptions based on images. So if there's like people playing with a ball on the beach, they've made an AI that knows that, oh, these are people playing with a ball. That's how your iPhone can, you can just search photos. It'll find a cat in your photos because it knows what those images look like. It's yeah. using artificial intelligence. Yeah, exactly. And they basically just said, well, what if we just do that backwards? And instead we took the words and made an image. What does this mean though for art? What does it mean? You know, I... Like, think about it. So I, I did a, fo- a video recently on this and going into it, my thought was this is going to be a great uh, place for prototyping, a great yeah. like starting off point. But eventually it started spitting out artwork that was genuinely so beautiful that I was like, that, that's not a jumping off point. That's a finishing point. Okay. We're, we're going to have to take a break, guys. Like You guys are obviously very excited about this. <laughs> um, again, what's the name of it? Uh, Midjourney. And you have to have the discord app or website if you go to midjourney.com it has all the information right there yeah. okay i'm gonna have to try this out yeah. this weekend we're gonna have to take a break when we come back more tech to talk stay tuned you are back with the program mike Eggerboy here with john beeler we're gonna uh talk about changing diapers now <laughs> how am i gonna tie technology into that You'll find a way. I'll find a way. On the line, we've got our good friend, Brian Jackson, out of Toronto. He's with the Infotech Research Group. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Always happy to join you guys. Is this something your uh, company is studying, diapers? Oh, <laughs> among <laughs> other things. Uh, no, I wanted so to... You, we don't want to air our dirty laundry, though. Oh, I see, I see what you did there. So, uh, I wanted to get you on the line because you're a tech enthusiast uh, like uh, John and I, and uh, you have uh, a recent addition to your family, a two-month-old daughter. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an exciting time to uh, welcome a baby into our lives. And I'm learning a lot about being a dad, as one does, um, you know, and it, it, technology has actually played a big part in that. I would like to hear how you're going to tie in diapers with this, uh, Brian. Yeah, well, I'd like to be organized, right? And uh, before we had our daughter, I was thinking about how to get prepared and what would we do to track all the bodily functions of our daughter. Uh, for everyone that's been a new parent, you might remember that you have to go through this and your doctor asks you, how many pee diapers did your baby have? How about poo diapers? And um, how much did you feed it? And so there's a wonderful world of technology solutions out there that will help you track your baby's activities uh, instead of using the old pen and paper, right? And I was thinking, I want to use my voice to do this because as I've told you guys before on your show, in fact, I have a really good smart home setup here and I'm pretty much always in uh, earshot, we'll say, of Google Home. So I thought if I'm holding the baby and my hands are busy changing the diaper, even using a smartphone app is sort of hard because you have to open the app, get the phone in your hand. Um, so I just want to say it and it'll have it logged and I don't even have to touch anything. And that's where I found Baby Daybook would do all of those things for me. 
And this is a, um, uh, a routine, like a little software program on your Google Home that would let you use your voice to record all this. It is that. And it's also an app that you get on your Android or your iPhone. And the beauty of Baby Daybook as an app is that you and your partner can share an account, right? So uh, you both can see all the updates that one person makes or the other parent makes to uh, whether they changed the diaper, whether they fed the baby or uh, what they did with it. And it adds it all together in the same view. And whether you add it on the app or you add it through your smart assistant, like I was using Google Home, um, it, it's all in the same place to review. So that was exactly what we needed uh, to support us in having conversations with our doctors about how the baby was doing in its early days. So essentially, uh, how did you get this going on your Google Home? Do you have to download it? Like, how does that work for the listeners out there? That's very easy. It's and. For those who have never used a third-party service with their Google Home before, um, you can still explore these conversational actions, as Google calls them, by going into um, the assistance settings on your smartphone and check out the uh, services tab. There's something on there called third-party services or Google's additional services. And you'll suddenly have access to like this whole library of services that you've never thought about. Uh, Do you want to ask what's good to look at in the night sky for astronomy? Uh, There's an app for that, right? And any number of other things. So you install the app and then you connect your account uh, through the assistance settings and then uh, it starts working and, and you're able to connect to the same uh, platform. Sounds really cool. But from, from what I understand, is that feature going away, these, these Google routines or conversational pieces? That's what I found out. Google comes out. And just as I start using a third-party service on my Google Home Every day, like this is uh, alongside turning on my lights and stuff. This is like my number one use for my smart home speakers right now. But then Google comes along and they say, actually, we don't like conversational actions and we're going to retire them in one year's time. So now there's an end of life date on being able to do this with Google Home, uh, which is June 2023. So. A conversational action for those, if you're wondering, what what does that really mean? If you ever have to ask your Google assistant, hey, Google, talk to blank. And then you'd say the service name, like, hey, Google, talk to baby day book. And then it would connect you to this different assistant and you'd hear a different voice and it would talk to you and it would say, what do you want to do? Uh, that's the type of interaction that Google is saying, we're not supporting that anymore from our smart home speakers. And this is something that, Amazon has done extensively with their routines. They call them skills though, right? Well, you, you initiate a skill, but, yeah. it, but you can stack them and do different things with them. And, yeah. But that's been, I think, very popular on the Amazon side of the spectrum. And this is so typical of Google to find, you know, to actually create something that people are actively using. I'm like, yeah, we're going to stop working on it. I don't know how many times I've, got into something on on the Google platform, no matter where it is in their universe. And then they're like, yeah, we're kind of done with it. But Brian, this brings up a good point. I mean, the, the two big leaders out there, in, in my opinion, uh, as far as voice assistants would be Amazon and, and Google. 
it just seems to me that Amazon is light years ahead right now. Like they have just this huge developer community that are constantly developing these these skills that you can load onto your uh, you know, Amazon Echo device. And there's so many of these different other devices that, you know, have Amazon uh, Alexa capability as well. Like, is Google way behind in your opinion? I think that Google is not way behind in the sense that if they wanted to double down on having third-party services on their app, uh, they could do that. And they could probably uh, build up a big developer community if they thought that was the way to go. But as I learned when I started investigating, what would this developer do, right? I thought this poor Lithuanian developer that makes baby daybook, what will they do once they lose their uh, Google conversational actions? So I reached out to them and I said, how many people are like me and talking to your app on a daily basis? And they get back to me and they say, actually it's 0.1% of our entire user base. <laughs> so no like, one cares. It's yeah. you, basically. It's, 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 it's like, yeah. So they said, actually, in a month, 220 parents will, will use it. So there's other nerds like me out there. I'm vindicated at least somewhat. But most people are like my wife, and they're using the app to log everything. In fact, thousands more people are like my wife using the app and that interface to log things. So that made me realize that Google isn't abandoning this because they can't compete there. They're abandoning it because nobody's using these third-party services. And in fact, they have a new voice-first strategy. It's all based around the smartphone and they're called Android Actions. So this Lithuanian developer that makes Baby Daybook and other developers that perhaps have smart services or third-party services on Google Home, they'll be able to develop voice-first interfaces Uh, that will work from your Android smartphone. And then you'll be able to pull out your phone and say, hey, I just changed a dirty diaper and it would log it in baby daybook somewhat similarly. Now, Google must think uh, that that will be a more successful path to voice first interaction, that people would do that more likely from their smartphone than um, their smart home speaker. Um, And, you know, when you look at Amazon and why they've, double down on the skills market for their smart speakers, you think, well, they don't have a smartphone. So if they want to interact with their users through conversation and they want to create a relationship with the developers to do that, this is their only choice. Some good points. We've been talking with Brian Jackson from the Infotech Research Group. Uh, As always, uh, an interesting discussion. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks for having me, guys. When we come back from the break... More tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Don't forget to listen to our sister program, Get Connected. It's on every Saturday here across the Chorus Radio Network. And our website, you have to visit it. It's uh, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got some great videos up there, everything from how-tos to product reviews. Also, our radio shows. You can subscribe to our podcast. Just go to the Listen tab, and all the instructions are there. Really want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, John uh, and Robin. We will see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.